kind of feel like trying to get your hands a bit dirty and actually getting in there and volunteering is is a really really important part of that you know that's how you pull communities together it's by being in the same room sharing opportunities sharing experiences mm. and doing something positive one another welcome to the power hour the weekly podcast that will motivate you to pursue your passion and to achieve success i'm adrienne herbert international speaker fitness coach Adidas Global Ambassador and Entrepreneur. Each week, I'll be talking to today's leading coaches, creatives, change makers, and innovators to find out their daily habits, morning routines, and rules to live by. The Power Hour is all about taking just one hour each day to help you improve your life and unlock your full potential. Whether you want to build a business, write a book, run a marathon, or maybe you're just looking for a spark of inspiration, The Power Hour is going to help you get there faster. Welcome back to the Power Hour podcast. Today's guest is a runner and youth practitioner and creator of a Hackney-based charity, The Outrunners. Together with The Outrunners, he is on a mission to bridge the gap between those who have diverse skills and professional experience and the young people of his community who lack the support, access and contacts that they need to reach their full potential. He is also raising awareness and raising funds for grassroots initiatives to support Black Lives Matter. Welcome to the studio, Tyler Williams-Green. Hello, thank you for having me. So good to have you here. It's also just great to be in the studio right now, if I'm honest, because mm. recording remotely, as much as it's, you know, it's amazing that we can still do it, it's yeah. not the same as being in the room. No, no, no. You want to be kind of face-to-face with somebody, Absolutely. even if it's like a little bit distanced. Yeah, well, very. I'm like, yeah. hi over there. <laughs> so, Tyler... You know, there's so much that I want to talk to you about today. And I know that there are a lot of runners that listen to this show. So it's always great to have conversations about running and about the impact that running can have. I know you're going to get a lot of love. So I believe we both started running maybe around the same time, like same age, should I say. So Mm. I started road running in my early 20s after becoming a mum. And I think you started running in your early 20s too, if I'm right. So what what was your entry into running? Do you know what? Like fitness was never actually something that came quite naturally to me. Um, I definitely, you know, was a bit of a podgy kid growing up. So it wasn't something that, you know, I kind of felt that comfortable with. But my dad was a personal trainer and he did fitness classes at a uh, sports centre in West London. And I got a free membership to use the gym upstairs. So I basically just started using the cross trainer and the treadmill. And then after a while, kind of, you know, the weight started to drop off. And then I kind of, you know, started to get more into like the running side of things in the gym and then I just kind of got to a point where I was just like why am I running inside like this is just ridiculous I just need to like be outside so then I just kind of like set myself these little targets of places in London that I would run to around the local area and yeah I just kind of like fell in love with with road running then. So you were running on your own initially. Yeah. And then later on, I know you you started running with Run'em Crew and became actually a run coach. So what was was that kind of journey like? And when it comes to running, like with as a collective and as a group, what do you think it is about that kind of group experience? You know, people coming together every single week. How is it different to the kind of solo venture of running? Yeah, definitely. So I started running with Run'em Crew and then they, whenever like one of the coaches wasn't there, I would then help out by by coaching and leading some of the sessions and I think for me it was just like a really really good opportunity to do something social that wasn't just going out you know and partying and drinking and and stuff like that so you know it was very much about being part of 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 a crew and finding out 
you know, different parts of my local area that I could run in and stuff like that. And then when that running club finished, I then start, started up my own. And I definitely feel that, you know, community is a big, big part of why a lot of our runners come to the Outrunners. They want to feel like they're they're part of something. They want to feel like they're part of a movement and they want to feel like, you know, they've they've got a squad that's kind of cheering them on and, you know, getting them through those like hard sessions um, because they are hard. They're like not easy sessions. Um, and I think just, you know, a lot of our runners, especially during like COVID, it's like really nice to have something that's still happening quite regularly and something that's like a staple part of their week. Mm. Um, one of the things that I always said when I set up the Outrunners was that it would happen every week regardless of what the situation was. So, you know, during the peak of COVID, we were still sending everybody out on like remote runs and we were setting the weekly challenges and, and, and stuff like that. And the only time we really finish with the Adult Running Club is just during Christmas where we have a couple of weeks off. But every week there's nothing happening, you know, mm. we're sort of here for you. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a really nice point because I've had some previous guests on the show. So I've had Charlie Dark on the show. Mm, I've also amazing. had Jessie Zappo. So she's the founder of Girls Run NYC. And we mm. talked on both of those episodes around this, you know, how a collective and a community and, you know, meeting like-minded people and actually how inclusive that space, not just when you're running, but mm. the interactions that you have before and after and the definitely, conversations definitely. and that accountability and meeting people in maybe a city like London or New York that feels... Mm so vast and it's interesting that a lot of the people in in jesse's girls run nyc a lot of them have recently moved to new york mm. and then as you said then it's like the options to meeting people are just like going out or you know drinking or mm. maybe you know and and those women feeling like they've got a space to meet new friends essentially and, and, and it's kind of safe and, and all that but i think when i speak to runners as often they fall into two camps so there can be like even myself, you know, I run a lot of my miles solo because of just mm. my lifestyle. You know, I want to train in the morning. It's just how it is. But when you're training for something like a marathon or or even a 10K, whatever it is, I think having that discipline to go out on your own, having the accountability to go out on your own, mm. you know, not having someone else to push you, to push the pace or to chat to. I think if sometimes people don't want to go to a run club for a couple of reasons, they might think they're not fit enough and like, oh, they're mm. going to get left behind. Or they might feel like, yeah, I don't know that, that running is just, yeah, solo thing for them. And I don't know, maybe mm. it's nice for them to hear that, I think, that there's a lot more to it than just the, the miles that you run. Yeah, 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 definitely. I mean, we had a new runner who emailed us a couple of months ago because she was just moving down from Scotland. And she literally, you know, is new to the city. And, you know, I think for her, it's just like a really, really nice thing to do to come and join a community who are doing something really really proactive together and something healthy um but also there is that social aspect you know where pre-covid we would you know have like a summer barbecue and stuff like that or we would have like a sports day and a christmas party and stuff like that so it's kind of like your ready-made sort of community that people can kind of like attach themselves to because london's a hard city like it's not an easy city to move to it's not an easy city to live in if you're, you know, if you're from London. So I think definitely having a crew that that you can join is a really, really positive thing. Yeah, absolutely. And let's talk a bit more, I guess, about the other side of the outrunners. So, you know, we're talking about running and how it can be this solo endeavor. And for some people, it's, you know, a way to stay fit or it might be a way to challenge themselves physically and mentally. It certainly can be that for me sometimes. And for many people, it's a way to de-stress um, or, or a tool for kind of self-improvement, self-development, which is great but running can also be impactful to improve other people's lives and to be used in service of others and you know when it comes to 
signing up to races, often people will attach to a charity, they'll raise money, they'll raise awareness. But that's kind of as far as it goes. You know, you get friends and family to sponsor you, which again is great. And, you know, so many charities, you know, they make hundreds and hundreds of thousands through just the events like the London Marathon, for example. Mm. So I think it's great, but sometimes that's where it where it stops and people think, well, that's as much as they can do. But what you've done with, with the Outrunners and what you've created is it's based around running, but you do so much more. Mm-hmm. So, and, you know, it's having such an amazing impact on so many people's lives. So tell us a bit more about the work that the Outrunners charity does. Yeah, so I think, you know, one of the things that we really, really want to try and help improve and create is community cohesion and that is like you know real community cohesion where I think especially kind of living in a borough and having a running club in the borough of Hackney it's very divided in terms of you have you know local people that have lived in the area for for a long time and then you have a lot of new young professionals that have moved to the area and there's there's quite a big divide Um, So, you know, one of the things that we really wanted to do was to make sure that we were creating programmes that that helped that community cohesion and helped bring these separate groups of people together in like a positive way. So we do that in a few ways. One of the things that we do is a career event called Run Your Career. And we use our runners as a pool of volunteers to facilitate this event. So it happens every six months and we use their pool of contacts to basically gain access to careers that young people wouldn't normally have access to. So we're currently working with companies like Lacoste and um, Rayburn and stuff like that. So it's just like, you know, we've got so many young people who have a lot of energy but just don't necessarily have the access or the contacts to to break into those industries. So we do our career event every six months and then the young people that come to the career event, we will then set them up on a sprint programme which allows them to go and visit these companies for two days and get a really, really good insight to how the company runs and the different departments and speaking to people within that company because, you know, you've got so many young people, for instance, that might say that they're into fashion but they don't know what part of fashion they're into. You know, a lot of them think that it's just flying off to Paris Fashion Week you know, every week, um, but they don't necessarily think that actually you could be working in an office, you know, you know, in like, Doing spreadsheets. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so it's just like a really, really good insight for them to understand actually how those industries run. So that's one thing that we do. And then we have a youth running club where we partner with various different youth organisations across Hackney. And we train up all of the runners that come to our adult running club to deliver a really, really fun and engaging running programme, um, which, you know, kind of runs throughout the whole year and finishes with key races. So it gives the young people an opportunity to just learn about pacing and pacing yourselves and also then, you know, having the excitement of preparing for a race and actually making the connection that, oh, this is why I'm pacing because I have to run, you know, a mile of like a race. Um, So that's another thing that we do. And then we've also set up a mentoring programme where we train some of our runners to mentor young people across Hackney. And that's like more of a kind of like a social mentor. So, for instance, we've got one of our runners called Rob, who's mentoring a young person who was just having a little bit of difficulty um, in school. And now Rob kind of meets up with him once a week and they do, you know, like a little run together or they might do some like boxing together. Um, And it's just like a you know, like a weekly consistent relationship, which I think is really, really important for some young people. Mm. Um, And then finally, we do food drops. So during COVID, we worked in partnership with 
a few organisations across East London where our runners would um, run or cycle food parcels to vulnerable families across Hackney. Um, but we're still actually continuing that with some families that are really in need on, on one of the estates that's sort of in Hackney Central. Amazing. I mean, Tyler, I'm blown away. Always, I've said this to you before, but by, you know, the work that you do, and I think often, you know, so much of what people do... <sighs> arguably is quite performative you know they want to showcase look at me look at what mm. i'm doing but i think the reality of what you do and what so many wonderful organizations do is that you know you are doing this work day in day out you're showing up for these kids you know you're offering mm. these things and a couple of things i was thinking about when you were talking one with the careers event you know i was just thinking back to you know when i was at school and i think having something that shows you you know you the school system, I, for as much as it has its benefits, I think one mm. of the major faults is that it's kind of just one way. And, you know, if you fit into this and if you excel in that environment, then great. But what if you don't? You know, what if you're someone who has, as you said, a lot of energy, a lot of creative mm. skills, maybe you're very sociable, maybe you get told that you talk too much. That's yeah. what I got told. <laughs> but, you know, you're not told, well, actually, you could use these skills that you have to go into this environment or to go into this place and actually seeing the different, you know, the things that you don't even know exist when you're at school you know for example maybe going and being uh, I can't think of something right now but like you know maybe working in media in mm. in um, print maybe working in videography or yeah. cinematography or being a DJ or like all of these things that at school I think sometimes it's kind of just this yeah like I said one mainstream thing and so I think having events like the careers event mm. must be so inspiring for those young people to kind of come in get excited mm. see all these different things that are just available and see, see the world through that lens and go there's all this, all these things out there. Um, that would be, I think, really, really, it must be so exciting for them. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, as you said, it is really about access. You know, we have a lot of young people that have a lot of energy and they're really, really eager, but they just don't have access to it. You know, unfortunately, due to privilege, a lot of young people from, you know, various sort of black and ethnic minority groups might not necessarily have access to a lawyer or an architect or a CEO of an energy company, you know, to kind of like have discussions with them around how they got on that career path. Um, you know, I think what's really, really inspiring is that our last career event was literally pouring down with rain. And, you know, we had about 120 young people queuing up to get into our last career event. And this is like a Monday in the pouring rain. What's sort of even more inspiring is that the majority of them were young black girls and you know young black girls don't like queuing up in the rain you know <laughs> so you know you know um i think that just kind of really really just like adds testament to the point that you know they really are thriving for these opportunities and really trying to grab hold of them mm. and then the second thing that you said around the races you know that you know helping mm. kids work towards the race i think that sense of achievement for for them you know if they don't necessarily excel in academia or if they don't have someone in their lives supporting them and encouraging them to strive for more, to be more, to do more. I think races are such a good place to start. And it's not mm. about, you know, I think the, the running community, in my experience, it's so inclusive and it's not about competition. You know, it's mm. not about mm. winning and being the best, but actually turning up and having that attention on you to say, you know what, you finished the race, you got a medal, exactly. you ran 5K, like, yeah. well done, you achieved something. I think that you can't underestimate what that can do for a young person's self-esteem yeah yeah exactly and you know we work with a lot of young people who may have difficulties in school and you know i think the school system that we have at the moment unfortunately is something that is built to try and be one size fits all where it really really doesn't we've all got different learning styles we all need different ways of engaging us in education 
Um, but, you know, sport can just be like a really, really positive outlet for a young person, especially if they're constantly told that they're not good at something or if they're, you know, going into school and they just can't concentrate due to some sort of, you know, underlying like learning need that hasn't been diagnosed. So, you know, I think definitely having that that way of engaging into sport and having people cheer you on and also see yourself get better at something. I feel like, you know, especially for something like running, it's like week by week you can see the kids' confidence grow because they're like, you know, the first week we could only do one lap of the track, for instance, but this week we can do like two and it's getting that constant, you know, reassurance that they're doing well and having an arena to like thrive Hmm. and have us cheer them on you know yeah it's wicked and you know I mentioned then a little bit I guess about you know when I was at school and how I would have felt going to an event like that but I'm curious to hear more I guess about your experience at school and also you know did you always know because you know you've worked in the charity sector you've worked for social services you've worked Mm. as a youth worker and and you know you really understand what these young people are looking for and I guess what they engage with and what they will queue up in the rain to to do so yeah when you were leaving school did you see this career trajectory for yourself or what was it like for you oh I really didn't if I'm honest like I really really struggled at school um just you know maths and English is not something that came easy to me I'm dyslexic, so, you know, like, just general writing I really, really struggled with. And if I'm honest, I think, you know, because of that, there was an expectation that I wouldn't be CEO or founder of a charity, I think. And, I'm, you know, I'm not kind of, you know, like, blaming the school or blaming the teachers. I think it is a lack of resources thing. Um, But, you know, they kind of pushed me in a direction of doing something more kind of, like, hands-on. Um, So, for instance, you know, I told my career advisor at school that I liked cooking. So they kind of tried to push me in the direction of being a chef. I love cooking. I really enjoy it. But being a chef and enjoying cooking are two completely separate things. And, you know, it just I just kind of felt like I was pushed in this direction that wasn't really the right direction for me. But did, did you go to chef school? I did go to chef school, yeah. I did about nine months right. of a of a three-year course hmm. and it just wasn't for me. You know, like I love cooking, but actually I've got a lot of respect for chefs because they have to get up at like five o'clock in the morning to do pastry. You know, that just wasn't my vibe really as a 19-year-old. It was yeah. just like, I don't want to get up at five o'clock in the morning. Um, so, you know, I kind of was sort of pushed on the trajectory that wasn't really for me. But then I just had a few really, really key inspirational women in my life, actually. Like, you know, like my friend Crystal and Irene, who I met when I was doing Camp America, where you go and work with, I went and worked with underprivileged kids just outside of Boston. You know, they kind of were really like, they kind of had this older sister vibe about them. And they were like, you don't have to do something if you don't want to do it. And, you know, you can achieve whatever you want to achieve if you put the work in. So, you know, they really, really kind of like pushed me to go back to school and to redo my A-levels. And my friend Irene marched me up to Leeds University to show me around in the pouring rain and was like, you know, this is something that you can do if you want to. I think at that point, nobody in my family had gone to university. So it wasn't something that I kind of saw as an option for me until you know these inspirational queens kind of just like showed me the way and were like yeah you can do this um so yeah and then I kind of like that's when I kind of took the direction of falling into the youth sector and just like loving it and kind of like sort of earning my stripes working on some quite 
let's say, tricky estates across London. Right. Um, <laughs> um, and yeah, and then that just then kind of led on to working across sort of different social service teams and then setting up the running club and then just being like, you know, let me just try and bring these two things things together. Yeah. Well, there's so many parts to it. I think, you know, hearing your experience, I think maybe is an insight as to why you're so... I guess empathetic and why the kids probably I guess why they can relate to you why you can relate to them that kind of understanding that as you said you know no one in your family had gone to university so it wasn't not only was it maybe not on your radar but maybe also it wasn't an expectation for you no. you know so when something's no. an expectation for you it's kind of a given that like well yeah I'm going to uni or yeah I'm going to go and do this job or yeah I'm going to get a mortgage or yeah I'm going to get married or I think these expectations sometimes they're a blessing and a curse but I think when mm. people don't have them and they yeah as you said not on the radar I know there's been things in my life where I can definitely think well I'd never seen it so I'd never even thought of it it's not to mm. say like oh what does your dream life look like well you don't know if you can't you can't see it so yeah I think going to Leeds University and maybe it being there and being tangible and being like that is something that you're doing with the work that you do I guess all the time is giving people this you know putting them in a situation putting things in front of them and showcasing to them this is an option for you this is mm. available for you and that is incredibly powerful honestly I think it's it just gives me chills thinking about it <laughs> like really really does because I think that it's just so that that is what real impact is you know that's how you mm. change people's lives I want to talk to you about you know, earlier this year in 2020, the, after the killing of George Floyd, there's been a huge global conversation about social injustice and about the Black Lives Matter movement. So I want to, guess, talk about that. So when we're talking about impact and actual change, how do you think this movement has impacted the young people that you work with? How has it impacted you and the work that you do? Yeah, I think, you know, definitely when I saw the video of, you know, what happened to him, and I need to be completely honest, it took me a while to actually get the courage to actually sit there and watch it because I knew that watching him, it would kind of invoke a reaction where, you know, that could have easily been me. That could have been my dad. That could have been one of my uncles. Um, so it took a while for me to actually, like, pluck up the courage to watch it. But then, you know, when I did, it was just one of those things where it's like it kind of spurs me on even more to do the work that I do and just kind of, for me highlights even more the importance and the injustice of what's happening globally. I think that, you know, growing up, I definitely felt like things were limited to me. And this goes back to the, what we you know, what we spoke about around like access. Um, so a big part of what we do is trying to give, especially kids of ethnic minority, access to things that they wouldn't normally have access to. I think, you know, in terms of the movement, it kind of really gave a lot of companies a bit of a, a push to kind of like look at where they're at and self-reflect and look at their teams and actually really answer the question around, you know, are they a equal, diverse, truly diverse company? Um, I so, think it gave them more than a push. I think yeah. it actually pushed them yeah. straight into the spotlight of saying yeah. actually that everyone kind of was just saying we demand more. We're actually not. It's mm -hmm. no longer a nice to have. It's no yeah. longer an option yeah. that you can kind of say, oh, you know, put it on your agenda. Like I think people were forced into this real radical shift mm. of let's see if you think this is okay, 
And if you don't, which people say, no, 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 this is this is shocking, this is awful. Mm. What are you going to do about it? Like you know, to say that it's it's not cool or post a black square or post, yeah. you know, it actually I think for the first time maybe I'm hopeful has actually really forced change as opposed to just kind of you know prompted it. Yeah, I think definitely it kind of took away that excuse of we're not getting black people through our door you know, we can't find them. You know, it's kind of like, it kind of took that excuse away. It was kind of like, well, what are you actively doing to search them out? You know, are you looking at recruitment companies that specifically aim with getting people from black and ethnic minorities through your doors, you know, within your recruitment process? I definitely feel like it kind of, you know, took that excuse away and kind of made companies a lot more accountable. I think for me, if I'm honest, it was quite overwhelming because setting up the career mentoring event a big part of what we do is trying to engage various companies and we went from having to actively kind of like search and pester companies you'd be like please come to our career event you know please come and talk to them kind of like suddenly approaching us and if I'm honest at times it felt a bit exhausting because it was like you know I've been doing this for for a while now and suddenly now you're ready so suddenly now I have to jump into action and you know I remember having a conversation with my friend Fahana and I was just like I'm you know it was it was just quite a challenging time there's a lot of you know kind of like emotions happening and she was just like you just need to just go with it and just seize these opportunities which which we have done and you know it's really really helped um shape our next career event um but it has been interesting to see the companies that have engaged and have are, are still engaging and the ones that are suddenly four or five becoming, months yeah four or five months down the line aren't as responsive mm. well i think we're seeing that i guess a bit anyway you know it's that thing of i said this last week and you know quite it's, i guess quite a challenging conversation where i was like look you know i feel like people can say let's do this let's start that mm. or as you say you know kind of people saying oh i want to use my platform and my voice to showcase and and, and share the mic and all of that mm. but actually as you say four or five months in i think people uh, the response i'm seeing starting to see is this like oh, are we still talking about that yeah. you know this kind of idea that oh you know I've learned now, I've read a couple of books, I've listened to a few of those podcasts, mm. you know, and I, I, I recognize my own bias. And now I've done it. Like, come on, let me just get on with my life. Like, let me just have my latte. I don't want to ruin my day mm. by talking about social injustice and, and noticing the, you know, the constant injustice and, and, you know, calling out and being an anti, anti-racist. It's actually mm. quite a lot of work. So actually, can I just live can my I, life? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Leave me. It is, it is a bit, yeah. I mean, I think, you know, people would have to be quite naive to assume that hundreds and hundreds of years of racism and oppression are going to be fixed within the space of six months. You know, this is going to be a long, long journey that we're all going to need to take together. And, you know, unfortunately, black people can't do it on their own. Like, we really wish we could, but, you know, we can't. So we're going to need people that have a voice, have a platform, that have power to help support us in making, to dividing that gap. Absolutely. And what do you think, I guess, what do you think in practical, you know, application? What are those things? You know, what are the things? Because, for example, you know, you're doing your, talk to us about your T-shirts that you're doing and, and that kind of thing. What are things that people could actually do if they say, you know what, I hear this and I do want to support and I did read a book and I did read a, listen to a podcast mm. and now I want to do something, not just retweet something? Yeah. So I basically ran just by accident almost set up a, a t-shirt line called um, Trump o'clock. 
Um, called, called what now? <laughs> Trump clot. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so basically, I went to um, one of the Black Lives Matters march, and I made this, and I had this sign. My friend helped me create the sign, and everybody just like went crazy for it. I think obviously the name, the Black community, definitely have an affiliation with it, um, you know, and it kind of really sums up a. A gentleman that I won't really kind of you know I'm sure we can get serious um so we um you know decided to, to basically like sell t-shirts to to raise money for grassroots charities um and black run charities and you know a big part of what I wanted to do with the t-shirt was not just be not just have it being a t-shirt that people could buy and wear but to actually send out some copy with it that really kind of gave actionable things that people can do you know so it says very very clearly these are things that you can do you can donate you can educate yourself and you can be actively anti-racist and I think you know that's things like if you're sat in a work meeting and you know there's just white faces you need to be challenging your employer you need to be talking to HR about that if you're in a community and you feel like it's quite divided, you know, this is one of the things that I love about our Outrunners Youth programme is because it kind of allows young professionals to engage with young people that, you know, ultimately they probably would never have a conversation with or may even cross the road if they saw them walking towards them with a hoodie on. So, you know, you can, there's so many different things that you can do and there's lots of literature around what you can do and how you can get involved and, and how you can support raise awareness but you know I kind of feel like trying to get your hands a bit dirty and actually getting in there and volunteering is is a really really important part of that because that's how communities become more integrated with one another mm. you know that's how you pull communities together it's by being in the same room sharing opportunities sharing experiences mm. and doing something positive with one another yeah, and I guess one thing I've probably learned from our conversations over the last few months uh, is that the consistency part is that just doing something once is great, mm -hmm. but actually, especially where young people are involved, I think they do need, yeah, they need consistency. They mm -hmm. need to kind of, I guess, I think it takes time to build their trust as well to say, you know, come and meet this person, work with them. They're going to come back again. They're going to give you their time again and again mm -hmm. and again, not just once. And I think when people perhaps want to get involved or like you say, get their hands dirty, get involved, do something really think about could I do this once a month for a year or mm -hmm. could I do this once a week for six months as opposed to I could go and do this thing I've done something wicked let me just carry on with my life would you yeah. agree? Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely and a lot of what are and it's, it's always actually been very important to me that a lot of the youth programmes that we do through Outrunners Youth have that in, you know ingrained in them you know so for instance the mentoring the one-to-one -one mentoring that's like a weekly thing so you know with each of our mentors we trial it for three months just to make sure that it's going okay. And the mentor and the mentee will meet weekly. And now, you know, with our mentor, like one of our mentors, for instance, they've just signed a mentoring agreement, which will be for a whole year. So I think that's really, really important. And also with our career mentoring event, the conversations that we've been having with a lot of the companies is that this is not going to be like a one-off thing that you can just like come to and show your face and then disappear. You know, we want to build ongoing relationships with you which has like legacy so for instance you know we've been working really really closely with fit which i know you do um work with mm. um and you know we've set up like a six month rolling program where they'll come to our career event every six months and then they will spend will then send a group of young people to them for our sprint program which will then give them an opportunity to 
um, see how the company runs. So, you know, it's about having that consistency and that ongoing relationship, which is what the young people need. Yeah. Brilliant. Well, before we move on, Tyler, to talking about the Power Hour, I guess I just wanted to say to you, you know, and and you take this opportunity to just express my gratitude and say that, you know, growing up, I never saw anything like the Outrunners. I never saw anyone like you. I didn't have Instagram. I didn't have a place that I could see this other world perspective. And I know that it's, you know, the, the scale of the impact that you are having it's immeasurable and you might not actually ever really see what it really what it really is so thank you for the work that you do thank you So let's talk about the power hour because when you mentioned about chef school and saying I don't want to get up at half five I was just like (laughs) does he know about my power hour so I always see you running at like five o'clock in the morning on, on Instagram and I'm like, oh my God, this woman's putting me to shame. That is what everyone says. I've got a running says. club, so I definitely should be doing that. You know what? Everyone <laughs> says that. I feel like it's funny. I'm, like, I'm out there being like, yeah, virtual high five encouragement. And people are like, Adrienne, no, it's too much. We don't want to see it. So yeah, I guess for regular listeners of the show, they all know all about my power hour. It's mm-hmm. definitely about getting up early. For me, it's about kind of taking that first hour reclaiming some of my time because you know I'm a yes person I want to say yes to everything I mm-hmm. want to give my time and energy all day to everyone I don't resent that I, I want to do those things mm. but I think if I start the day with one hour of reclaiming some time and saying you know what your time is yours Adrian. so what do you mm. want to do first get something done first that's for you yes admittedly sometimes it's running and you know working out exercising I want to start my day feeling good but other times it's just reading or admin Mm, or something mm. that I'm like I cannot put this off until later in the day when I'm going to be distracted and busy I've got to do it first thing Mm -hmm. so Tyler I want to know about your morning routine I want to know what time you wake up what's the first hour of your day like cool so I wake up at 7am and my start to the day is always quite slow like I don't I like to get up slightly earlier than what I need to just so I don't want to be rushing around um so I am a massive fan of a Nutribullet I'm not gonna lie so okay. <laughs> uh first thing is wake up throw all of my um fruits and vegetables in a Nutribullet blend that up with some ice and some um, oat milk and then you know any caffeine in the morning so I have to say I am a bit of a caffeine person I do like a coffee but I don't jump straight into coffee I kind of I have my smoothie I feed the cat put on some music tunes is just like a very big part of my life I'm always listening to music all the time so you know the like you know my playlist goes on and then I just have like a really easy gentle start to the day um, then I'll probably have my coffee before I leave the house. Yeah. Um, but what I will say is that I definitely feel like part of my power hour is always my commute to work. I never, ever take public transport. I've always hated public transport. I'm just not a fan of it. Well, you're very tall. Yeah, I am. Yeah, I'm very, <laughs> so it might not be very comfortable. I'm you. very tall. I'm very tall. But also I think what it is is that I make exercise my commute to work. So, you know, I will always cycle to work or I'll run into the office if I'm in the office. Um, and I think for me, that has always been like a very, very important part of my day is just having that time on my journey to do some exercise, to just like zone out and then finish at work, if you get what I mean. Mm. So it kind of feels like I've really, really integrated it into part of my daily routine. Mm. Um, and what I have definitely noticed that if I can't cycle into work because maybe I need to take something in or I need to go somewhere else, I feel really groggy. I definitely need that like 
movement that movement in the morning to kind of like get me going otherwise I'm just groggy for the whole day mm. and is there anything that you avoid in the morning say for example like would you you know we all you know go on our phone check social go on to emails do you put on mm. the news like is there anything that you're like no way I don't want to wake up and kind of be yeah reacting to that straight away or do you not have any any non-negotiables I don't have a tv I've, I've never had a tv basically uh, apart from when I was like growing up at home and I think that's quite important because I think just having that kind of you know, putting the TV on first thing in the morning, I think is is just not not healthy. So yeah, I think yeah, my non-negotiables really are just like definitely making sure that I eat before I leave the house. Music, gently waking up, and then kind of like having that kind of exercise in the morning on my way to work. They're definitely sort of my my non-negotiables. Yeah. Um, things that I try and stay away from. What about the phone? Does Probably, that creep in in the morning? Do you watch stories? Do you go on Twitter? Or are you quite I try not to. Okay. I try not to. The only thing that I do do, and I wish I didn't pick up my phone first thing, is that I try to do like the Outrunners social media post or sure. something like like that, just because it's just like I get quite busy throughout the day. So I just kind of feel like I'll just try and do it and then it's done. Yeah. And yeah, that's about yeah. it really. That's I try nice. I try not to rush out of the house. Mm. I think rushing out of the house just induces stress and then you're just kind of like, you're just then stressed throughout the whole day. If you start your day stressed, you're probably going to just like be flustered throughout the whole day. Absolutely. So I try not to kind of like, you know. Yeah, I think that out. TV thing as well. I, I I saw a stat the other day that said if you watch the news in the morning, apparently, you know, obviously, especially right now, I guess, mm. you're, I think it's something crazy stat, like 30% more likely to describe your day as like being a negative day. Like I had mm. a bad day or feeling bad or feeling overwhelmed, anxious, depressed, all those things. And maybe, maybe it's quite skewed at the moment because the news can just be so overwhelming and mm. so... I guess scary people don't really know like every day there's like these breaking headlines and things are changing and government guidelines I guess yeah. that's maybe not where you want to start and I think it's great to you know be informed and to know what's going on but I think yeah maybe wait until later in the day so you're not just starting off with that reactive and as you said feeling rushed as well mm. we know from a I guess from a like physical perspective of having cortisol in the body adrenaline in the blood once you start up there like yeah. you're going to carry that with you all day for sure yeah Definitely. And, you know, I don't think the news has ever really been positive. They very rarely, unfortunately, you know, will have a positive story. Um, and I think, you know, we're definitely in a time where we need to make sure we're taking care of ourselves. Like, we all know that the next six months is going to be extremely tricky. So it's like, what are we putting in place for ourselves just to keep ourselves protected and to make sure that we're, you know, we're like looking after ourselves, I guess. You know, one of the things that I've kind of decided to do over the next six months is just like just buy a tin of paint and just give my flat a refresh mm. just because I kind of want to just like at least look at these next six months, which are going to probably be quite difficult for us all and be like, I've just accomplished something. I've done something that I can kind of see the benefit of. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think definitely just like protecting ourselves and, you know, making sure that we're surrounding ourselves by good people and making sure we're getting support, you know, that we're kind of engaging in mental health support if we need it and joining, you know, a running club like the Outrunners, for yeah. instance, you know, yeah. that will kind of get you out and, you know, doing runs and give mm. you an opportunity to do something 
productive to kind of like give back to to a local community yeah that's a really great point about the next months ahead because i think for a lot of people who even people that listen to the show and you know they talk about the power hour and the first hour and getting up early but actually it's much harder to do that in the winter months mm. it's much harder the clocks have just changed yeah. it's much harder when even for me who's been doing the power hour for four years <laughs> you know to get up at five or five thirty or six whatever time you want when mm. it's still dark out when it's cold when it's raining it does i guess it's such a different feeling to when you wake up and it's sunny and you open the curtains it is and you might say you might put your tunes on and you might think okay world let's go i think it's a lot harder to cultivate that feeling in the depths of winter yeah 100 percent. and actually one of the things that when i when we were on complete lockdown one of the things that i did was i basically because i couldn't go into the office at all i would still wake up in the morning and I would get dressed and I would make my bullet, and I'll just go for a walk around the block and then go home and go back to work because I just needed that I'm, I've am i at least left the house and it just kind of felt like mm. I'd left and I'd gone somewhere and I'd arrived even though it was like still my, you know, still, still my house. But more importantly, you know, in the winter months if we're not going out so much, we need to make sure we're getting that vitamin D. Right. You know, if we're not travelling to work, then we're going to be, we're going to be really, really, depleted of it so mm. and we're know, not yeah we're not supposed to be indoors all the time and no. I, I really like that idea of saying well if you've lost your commute and if you can't you know if you're working from home yeah getting up and saying in the morning go out as you said to then feel like you've you arrived back at your house arrived back at your desk or whatever to signify yeah. i guess the start and maybe even at the end like bookending your day so saying right i start work and yeah. then having something that signifies the end of work before mm-hmm. whether that's before you cook your evening meal or before you you know switch off because i think it's so easy now for our work because of our digital devices our phones, our laptops to just bleed into every area, every room in the house, everything we do and there's no start and stop. It's just this continuous feeling of work and you know expectation inbound uh, inbound things so i think that's something that i yeah i really like that i think i do the school run in the morning so sometimes Mm. that's that feeling of like you know taking to school come home that's the start but i think without that yeah it must be really difficult to kind of get get your shift your head into this into the game of into that right work state yeah yeah i think so definitely and i think especially if you're limited for space like i've had some conversations with with some friends who are you know in shared houses and they're literally having to sleep and work in their bedroom and i think you know one of the things i was well being a development coordinator for a charity for three years and one of the workshops that that we did was about even if you are in one room trying to separate the zones so like you know you don't kind of just like come home and sit on your bed and watch your laptop even if you don't have a table and chairs take a cushion sit on the floor watch you know just so that you're kind of like there's a clear divide of what your bed is mm. and what your where you go to to read or watch a film or yeah. or Socialize. Yeah, it's a really good point because I think that for if you have the luxury of space, which let's be honest, in the city of London, not many people do, but mm. if you have the luxury of space and you have, yeah, maybe a, a desk, an office, a garden, like all of those luxuries, that's great. But I think, yeah, for a lot of people, I've heard that challenge too of being like, I'm just, this is starting to feel like a prison cell. You know, like yeah, everything yeah. we do now, it's like we're working from home, working out at home, we're socializing at home everything is in the home and i think having that division is is yeah really really cool and hopefully people can implement some of that into their week this week so before i ask you i could talk to you all day tyler before i ask you my closing question which i asked every guest i guess if you could just give us a few touch points where people could find you online if they want to reach out if they want to support or get involved or apply to to join outrunners where can they find you Cool. So my Instagram handle is Tyler Williams Green. 
Um, luckily, I've got a double-barreled surname, so it's the only one that's on there. Um, and then our Outrunners Instagram is the Outrunners Charity, and that links to all of the community work. And if you want to kind of come and support, you know, if you want to join the running club, if you work for a company that might want to engage in our career event, I think one of the things that I just want to make clear is that you don't have to be a runner to be part of, you know, the Outrunners charity and what we do. So you can definitely like hit us up on there. And if you want to get a T-shirt to support um, the Black Lives Matters movement, then we have an Instagram handle, which is Trumpaclot. Um, yeah, and in the run-up to the US elections, we've found two charities that we're basically going to donate this T-shirt run to. One supports black women um, who may be experiencing domestic abuse and violence or may have mental health um, support needs and another one that supports black trans women. Wicked. Trump Clark, I am going to check that out. And also, do yeah. people have to live in London? Maybe that's the question they might think, oh, I don't live in London, so I can't support the Outrunners charity. Now that things are digital and virtual, can people support from afar? Definitely. can definitely support. We have a website, which is www.theoutrunners.co.uk. And yeah, it links with my email address. And also, if people want to donate, there's a donate button that kind of helps us support our youth programs and keep all of that stuff running. Brilliant. Hit us up. There's always something to do. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I will share that. Yeah, I will share that info too. So my closing question, Tyler, is about time. So we've talked a little bit about, you know, the power hour and the first hour, but people often say they just don't have enough time to do all the things they want to do. And, you know, if they had more time, they'd volunteer and they'd support. But mm. time is, is of the essence, very precious. And it's the only, it's the most valuable thing we have. It's the only thing we can't get more of. So the closing question is, if you had an extra hour of your day, you now have 25 hours every single day, what would you use that extra hour to do? I think I would use it to do more exercise. I think I definitely would. I think, and this is, this is the thing that I've suddenly started to notice, that actually because a lot of the community stuff that we do for the Outrunners is kind of running for me is now like a charity and it's running job. it's like my job it's like you know thinking of what we're going to do for like you know a load of runners on a Tuesday session and how all of the various youth running programs are going to work so I'll take that extra hour and make sure that I'm just like getting my hour in a day mm. move more move more just yeah. that just that extra hour just to you know keep moving just keep moving Brilliant. I loved it. I loved having you here today, Tyler. Thank it's been you. amazing. And as I said, I mean, I've, I've thanked you a lot, but I just I just think it's amazing the work that you do. So keep on keeping on and let's, if you can, support, get involved, check out what this guy is doing because it is amazing, amazing, much needed work. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the Power Hour podcast. As always, I really appreciate your time and your ear. If you've enjoyed this episode, please share it. Help us reach more people. Help encourage others to get involved. You can do that on Instagram. You can do it on Twitter. Rate and review on iTunes. I say it every week and I know I listen to podcasts and think, oh yeah, I will. And then I don't actually get around to it. So take a few minutes to, to share the love and thank you so much for tuning in. Have an awesome week. Thank you, Tyler. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. 
So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.